All right, open in your Bibles to the book of uh, book of Matthew. Forty-five minutes. All right. All right, Matthew chapter number fourteen. You can go ahead and remain uh, seated. Seating. Remain seated. Matthew chapter number fourteen. Going to look at just a few verses this evening, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go ahead and get into the lesson tonight. Matthew chapter number fourteen, and we're going to start with verse number twenty-two. Matthew chapter number fourteen. And verse number 22, and let's go ahead and start reading. Matthew 14, 22, the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for you and we're thankful for your kindness, your grace, your mercy. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be in your house in a midweek service. Lord, just being able to kind of step away from work, step away from everything that has kind of bothered us from Sunday all the way through to today. And God, we pray that you'd fill us with your spirit tonight. Help us to get what your word has for us tonight. I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Keep from me anything I should not say and put in my mouth the things that I should say, Lord. And we pray that you would use us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, of course, this is a familiar story. Jesus had obviously performed a fantastic miracle, and that is the feeding of the 5,000. And so we know with the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples are standing around and Jesus looks at the multitudes and he has compassion on them. And he says, how we need to feed these people. And of course, the disciples are like many of us. They say, how in the world will we feed all of these people? And Jesus says, you go ahead and give them to eat. The disciples are saying, what do you mean? There's not enough money that we have to buy enough bread to feed all of these people, but yet Jesus can take five loaves and two little fishes and feed 5,000 people. But then we get to this story, and we understand that Jesus had just performed this miracle. He straightway tells his disciples to get into a boat and go to the other side while he sends the multitudes away. But why is, what is the whole purpose of this passage? Well, we know in Mark 6.52 that after the disciples had witnessed this miracle and they had the uh, great time with this miracle where Jesus is going to calm the storm, the Bible says that they considered not the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. They didn't get it. How could you not get it? Jesus had just performed an amazing miracle and it has not sunk into their hearts and their heads. But we know that Jesus sends his disciples away by the boat. He uh, sends them uh, the multitudes away. He gets them into a mountain apart to pray. And then we start to see a problem begin. Look at verse number 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. 
Jesus is praying in a mountain. The disciples are there on the Sea of Galilee and things start to change. The winds start to pick up. The waves start to get rough. The waves start to get larger and larger and they have a desperation type of moment. These hardened fishermen obviously are starting to feel the effects of fear. went unto them what walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a what spirit they cried out for fear you see this superstition and obviously sometimes in our lives fear can cause us to question everything that we know Should the disciples have known and and viewed Jesus and said that, hey, immediately this is the Lord? Probably, but they didn't. They cry out for fear and they say that it is a spirit, superstition. They think Jesus is a ghost. And then Jesus immediately says these wonderful words in verse 27. But straightway, immediately, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I be not afraid. And then the story pans over to focus on one man, Peter. And with uh, the Lord's help tonight, I want to speak on this subject with the vantage point of Peter. It is faith or fear, faith or fear. So first we see number one, Peter's desire. Look at verses 28 and 29 with me. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, Bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Jesus had already told Peter and the disciples, it's me. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be afraid. I know the winds are contrary. I know the waves are large, but you don't have to be fearful because I'm here now. And then we see Peter's response to Jesus. Lord answered him and said, Lord, if, if, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. That Peter still has some doubt mixed in with his faith, but we obviously have to see Peter's supreme boldness. That none of the other disciples had the desire to get out of this boat on the Sea of Galilee with the waves as large as they are and walk to Jesus. Nobody else did, but Peter does. Peter decides inside of himself, let me come to you, Lord. But now Jesus has already stated, it's me. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. You don't have to think about it. I've already told you it is me. So the question has to be asked, why does Peter ask the Lord, let me come to you? What's the whole point of that? Why, why does Peter not just stay in the boat knowing that Jesus is there? Well, then we see, obviously, the reasoning of Peter. Look with me again at verse number 29. And he said, come. And when Peter came down out of the ship, he walked on the water to do what? To go to Jesus. It was to go to Jesus. That sometimes in our life, that life is loud and the waves and the cares of this world are pressing down upon us. 
The ways of life crashed against us and the same response of Peter should be the same response of us. That if life is difficult, and it is, that if waves are crashing upon us and doubt and discouragement and fear overwhelms us, and it will, that the same response should be that Peter had. Not to get out of a boat and to walk on water, but to go to the Lord. That you and I, we face difficulties and circumstances, but it is better for us to be with the Lord than to be by ourselves in the safety of the ship. That even Peter could understand that if I could stay in this boat, I will die. That if I stay in this ship with my friends, my, my co-workers, so to speak, and I stay where it is comfortable, I, things should be okay, but it probably will not be. But Peter understood that to be with Jesus in the midst of the storm was so much better than to be apart from him. And you and I should have the same, same thought process inside of our mind. That if I go through the problems and the struggles of life, that I must go to Jesus. That I must be with him. That I can stay by myself and do my own thing and live my own way. And I could use my intellect, my, my smarts, so to speak. And I can do, use my, my uh, experience to get through it. But did experience help the disciples to navigate the Sea of the Galilee in this time? Obviously not. This is a God-ordained storm. It's there to test them, to bring them to the knowledge of the Lord. But Peter could see that to be with Jesus in the waves was far better than to be in the boat without him. And then I love in verse number 29, Jesus says something wonderful. And he said what? Come. I see a similar invitation if you go back with me in Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11 and look at verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. And the Bible says here in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, what's the first word? Come. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That my friend tonight, if you are unsaved, life is loud and sin is drowning you. That you feel inside of your heart there is no way to escape this burden, this pressure that sin has upon you. You have no way to escape it. You've tried to work it off. You've tried to go to church. You've tried to read the Bible. You've tried to pray. You've, you've incorporated yourself in the ministries and nothing has changed it. That Jesus gives you this invitation, come unto me and I will give you rest. That if you're laboring and you're heavy laden under the burden of sin, that Christ says, come unto me and I can remove that burden. You can't do it yourself. That sometimes we get this idea that if I just do enough good works, I can make my way to heaven. But that's not going to happen. You can work as best as you can, but the Bible says, for all have sinned and come what? Short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how good you are, you never measure up. But praise the Lord that Christ has given us a way to escape. That he took upon himself the sins of all mankind. That if we would but just repent of our sin and trust in him, he will take us to heaven. Praise the Lord for that. But what if you are saved? 
You don't have the burden of the guilt of sin necessarily. Since power has been removed, the penalty has been removed, but has life stopped? No. Have circumstances stopped? You can be saved and still have problems. Did you know that? That, you know, uh, you know, somebody told me when I first got saved, I was 16 years old. And, you know, I had this idea that so many other people have. Oh, I'm saved now. All my problems are gone. I felt like they got worse. Amen. It just felt like they just got worse. But the circumstances and the cares of life did not stop the moment we got saved. They're still there. And that we can experience that life is loud and not sin is pressing upon us, but the cares of this life. Are pressing upon us. That Jesus can give you and I the same invitation. That come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I, I alone will give you rest. If you cast your burdens upon the Lord. He shall sustain you. That we can go to Jesus as he calls out. To comfort our fears and to ease our burdens. But how often do we turn to somebody else? We turn to everybody else. We turn to, our, again, our experience, our, our livelihood. We, 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 we rely on our intellect. We rely on a pastor or a friend or a teacher. When our first response should be, I need to go to the Lord. He's the only one that can help me. Life is loud and the cares are pressing. We can go to Jesus and he is calling out for us to come unto him. So we see first Peter's desire. If you go back with me to Matthew 14. Next we see Peter's distress in verse number 30. In verse number 30 it says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. So with Peter's distress, first we see a fearful look. It was the moment that Peter saw is the moment that he became afraid. The moment that he took his eyes off the Lord is what led to his fear. Again, Peter has a little bit more faith than me. I don't know if I'd have faith enough to say I'm going to get out of the safety of this boat that I've lived my entire life on, that I've sailed the sea my entire life. I don't think I would have enough faith to get out of this boat and say, Lord, let me come to you. But Peter did. And Peter obviously, evidently, must have got very close to Jesus, which we'll see here in just a little bit. But when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus is the moment that he became afraid. When we take our eyes off of the Lord, it only leads to one thing, fear. It obviously only leads to fear. The book of Hebrews tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that we look unto Jesus. That you and I, we can look to everything else in life to try to fix our problems and to fix our fear and to give us faith. But the only person that can is Jesus. The moment we take our eyes off the Lord, it immediately leads to our fear. We see his fearful look, but then we see his fearful cry. Look at verse 30 again. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now the Bible doesn't tell us how quickly Peter began to sink. But I don't know in my opinion and my illustrating mind I start to think that maybe Peter started to feel as first he's maybe walking on what feels like grass or feels like a, a glass uh, uh, a street there and he's walking along and the moment he takes his eyes off the Lord maybe his toes start to feel the water. They start to sink a little bit deeper. 
and it gets past his feet and it gets up to his ankles and he's still looking around and it's up to his knees and it's up to his waist and it's up to his chest and it continues up and at that moment Peter realizes that I've got to do something because I'm sinking and the moment I sink into this sea I will die I won't make it and you and I we can live our lives first focused on the Lord we can be saved for many years maybe many decades and we know it all right we all know it all and we can live our life and everything is going great and circumstances come up and problems of life come up the storms of life come crashing down upon us and you know we can handle it just like we've always done then this one's just a little bit different this one catches us off guard this one we we're focused on jesus we're focused on the lord and everything is going great and our journey to him seems just so easy Hey, is life crazy around me? Yep, but I'm okay. Is the waves a lot bigger than I expected? Sure, but I can handle this. Then all of a sudden one catches him off guard and he stumbles. And he looks. And he looks. And he says, you know, maybe I've made a mistake. Maybe I made a bad decision trying to do this. Maybe my boldness and my faith to get to the Lord. Maybe it was mis- mistaken. Maybe it was wrong. Maybe it was a wrong thought, a wrong idea. Maybe I made a mistake at this time. But it wasn't what was happening to Peter that made the difference. It was his decision after it already happened. Look at verse 30 at the end. And beginning to sink. He's already sinking. He cried saying... Lord, save me. When our eyes are moved off of the Lord and we begin to sink, we can understand that Christ is there, that he hears our call, that we can call out to the Lord in the midst of our desperation, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our storms of life where they come crashing and they're threatening to drown us and we've gotten our eyes off of him for a little bit and we're starting to sink and all of the cares and the troubles of life we can have this expectation that if I call out to the one who saved me and who loves me, he hears and answers me every single time. I can believe it. He's promised that he will never forsake me. He is only just one prayer away. And how often do we sink in life and we are at the point of drowning before we finally call out to him? We get up to our necks in problems and we think, man, what do I do now? What you should have done to begin with? Go to the Lord. I mean, is he, has he not been there the entire time? If you're saved tonight, aren't you glad you have God living on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit that has sealed you until the day of redemption. Praise the Lord for that. John chapter number 6, I believe it's John chapter number 6, tells us about he that believeth in him shall have rivers of living water springing up inside of him. That every single time we have a thirsting in our hearts and in our lives, I can draw from the well, as the song says, never runs dry. That I can go through the problems of life and I can always call out to him. Because he's right there. He's right there waiting for me. We see Peter's desire. We see Peter's distress. And then number three, we see Peter's deliverance. Look at verse 31. And what's that second word? And 
Immediately. I love that one. Immediately. Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? First, I see an immediate response. Did Jesus hesitate to answer Peter's call? And immediately. I love that. It was immediate. And another thing, and, and again, I mentioned, I, I believe, I don't know how far Jesus was from the boat. Obviously, he was far enough to where they couldn't tell who he was. Obviously, he was far enough to where Peter had to ask to get out of the boat and to walk to him. But when Peter starts to sink and he cries saying, Lord, save me, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and did what? Caught him. Peter must have made it decently far. Or Jesus walked to him. I don't know which, which one. But Jesus was not far away from Peter this entire time. Peter was there. And Peter starts to sink. Maybe Peter's standing right in front of Jesus as he's sinking. And I don't know how far again Peter got before he finally called out to the Lord. But we know he did. And he cries out and reaches up his hand. He says, Lord, save me. But I can't handle this. I can't do it by myself. I can't make it on my own. Lord, I need you. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And I'm so glad, and I hope you are so glad tonight, that if you are struggling in life, that immediately, the moment you call out to him, immediately he hears you. Praise the Lord for that. And I know this passage isn't talking about salvation, but I believe a salvation application is applicable here that if you or I understand that moment of our sin, and immediately if we call out to Christ in simple faith, He saves us. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Aren't you glad, again, and I'm probably going to end up on the internet, aren't you glad you're not a Calvinist tonight? Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad that you, were, you didn't have to be a chosen few, that everybody that comes to Christ by simple faith is born into his kingdom? Praise the Lord for that. That immediately, if you or I could call out in our simple faith and say, Lord, save me, he will. Praise the Lord for that. But if you or I are born again believers tonight, life always happens. Circumstances always happen. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Seems like more bad than good anymore, amen? But circumstances in life happens to us, but we, as we sink, can call out to the Lord and say, Lord, save me, and immediately. He reaches out to Peter and catches him. But then I see the rebuke. Look what, Peter, uh, look what Jesus says. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you doubt, Peter? Why did you have to doubt? Did Jesus not call them from their fishing boats and their nets and their tax collector booths and call them to a better life that's there meaningful with the Lord? Absolutely. Did Jesus not perform many miracles in the midst of Peter and these disciples? Absolutely. Did he not literally take five bread loaves and two little fish and feed 5,000 people? Absolutely. And then Jesus could see, uh, Peter could see Jesus walking literally on the sea. And he could still have a mixture of doubt saying, Lord, if it be thou, be me come unto the water. 
He could literally get out of the boat and start physically walking on water in the midst of not a very calm sea, but a very boisterous and problematic sea and walk to Jesus, start to sink because he took his eyes off the Lord. Jesus has to ask the question, why'd you doubt? The same question has to be asked to us tonight. Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt the Lord? Is there any reasoning to doubt the Lord? Has he not been faithful to you? Hey, were you not a sinner one day and by God's grace he saved you? Amen. Amen. Hey, that's enough. Amen. I've heard a preacher say before that if Jesus never did anything else for me in my entire life except save me from a devil's hell, that's enough. Amen. Amen. That you and I, we can go through problems of our life and we can have this issue and that issue. And yet we still, for some reason, with all the goodness of the Lord, doubt him. I've doubted him before. Be honest with you, I've doubted him before. And I think if we were all honest, we've had moments of where we doubted the Lord, saying, Lord, will you really come through? Has he not been so good to you in the past? You know, I think, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul says, you know, forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward to those things which are before. You know, I think we should forget about all the problems of our past. But I do think sometimes we need to look back at the goodness of God in our lives. That, hey, I don't need to look back at my sins and dwell on those. How many of you were a sinner before you got saved? Okay, some people didn't raise their hand. That makes me nervous. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, all of us were sinners before we got saved. We, had, we all have problematic pasts, and some of us more problematic than other people. But we all had a sin nature, and we were all saved from our sin and saved from hell, and praise the Lord for that. And, but we, sometimes we try to look back and dwell on sin, but we don't have to do that. But I do think we need to look back and see all of the times that God has been so abundantly good to us. Are you breathing today? Praise the Lord. Can you just come to church tonight? Praise the Lord. Hey, aren't you glad we live in a first world country and a westernized society, especially in the United States of America, where we can come and worship freely? Praise the Lord for that. You know, I visited uh, China one time on a missions trip, and isn't it so sad that, you know, you have to have church in a, in a, in a secluded private location. You have to be fearful of everybody you talk to because you don't know if they work from the government. Hey, that'd be nerve-wracking. That'd be hard. But aren't we so glad that today we live in the 21st century, the year 2023, we come to church on a Thursday night? Praise the Lord for that. But how often do we doubt the Lord? We have all of these good things that he's done in our life, given us a church home, saved us from sin, given you a pastor that loves the Lord and teaches you from God's word, has given you so many abundant blessings. Do you have a roof over your head? Praise the Lord. Do you have a bed to sleep in? Praise the Lord. Do you have a car to drive? You say, I don't have a car to drive. Hey, is there Uber? Amen. Be thankful. Amen. We live in the 21st century. There are so many things that we can be so abundantly glad for. And do you not look back and see all of the goodness of God and that should change you away from doubt to faith that if he's done it in the past can he not do it in the future amen Amen. my friend tonight why doubt the lord our trials may be there to test us or they may just be circumstances of life but regardless of it all we can believe and trust the lord that he is working all things together for good is romans 8 28 still not in the bible 
All things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Hey, it doesn't have to seem good in our life for it to be good. Amen. That it is all for God's good and God's glory. But we can rest assured that God is working all things together for good. The good in our lives and the bad in our lives. And why do we have doubts and why do we have fears when we have a simple, wonderful Savior and a simple faith that we can look to Him, pray to Him, trust in Him, and He answers us every single time. Be glad for that, amen? As we close tonight, my question is namely this. How is our faith? It's a simple question. Is our faith like Peter's, where it's mingled with doubt? Is our faith like some other people the Bible, like the Apostle Paul, who could just, you know, have a super bad, uh, you know, past and, and, you know, get saved and immediately go preaching the gospel and seems like nothing really bothers him or maybe other Christians that you know in your life and they have this wonderful faith that seems like nothing bothers them or do we have a faith that's just kind of riding the fence? It's always mixing between faith and fear, faith and doubt. We can trust the Lord. We can trust him. We can believe in him. He's been so abundantly good. We can trust in him. We can have faith in him. The moment that we have issues, do we call out to him for help? Or do we just keep our mouths shut because we're afraid he's not going to come through? It's an honest question tonight. How is our faith? Rest assured, my friend, tonight that the Lord loves you. He loves you. Amen. You're in church. You're saved. You have a good pastor. You have a good church home. You have a place to live. Amen. He loves you. And we can be so glad for that. But again, the question has to be asked tonight, how is our faith? Do we have more faith than we have fear? Or do we have more fear than we have faith? Something we really need to get settled.